You are now listening to the Oliver Manley Show. Hey guys, hope you're well. My name is Oliver Manalise, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the show. Here, it's my job to uncover the breakdowns and breakthroughs of everyday heroes. So why is that important? Well, we might have people like entrepreneurs, coaches, authors, speakers. It might even just be everyday people in our lives that we look up to. And they're so accomplished, we might not stop and think of the fact that They have struggles and challenges of their own. So in these interviews, we listen for the insights that we can apply in our own lives. So before we get into our guest today, I wanted to quickly invite you to my weekly newsletter called Oliver's Picks. So every single week, I devour tons of articles, videos, podcasts, books, you name it. And the very best of the best that I find are empowering, entertaining, and valuable are the things that end up in your inbox every single Friday. So if you're interested in getting that hit of wisdom and inspiration right before the weekend, you can sign up at olivermanalise.com forward slash picks. As well, I am an ontological coach and I work with leaders in aligned reinvention. All that is is a fancy way of saying I work with people to have their lives match their essential nature. And that leads to more effortless being, higher performance, and more possibility in their lives. If you know anyone who's looking for that extra level of support to get to their growth edge, I'd love the opportunity to connect with them. So if you know anybody, have them send me an email at podcast at olivermanalise.com and we can set up a complimentary session. And finally, if you've been listening to the show and getting a ton of value from it, please hit that subscribe button and share it on all the socials to get the word out. If you want to support the show even further, the very best thing you can do is head on over to iTunes, give us a five-star rating, and write us a review. This is literally the number one way the show increases visibility and these incredible stories that we uncover get out into the universe. Now, on to today's guest. Today we have the powerful Leroy Milton. Leroy Milton is a badass coach and co-founder of Two Helpful Guys, the comedy self-help brand. Leroy guides his clients towards connecting with their dark stories and using it to propel their lives forward. Leroy believes through vulnerability we can truly discover who we are and what we're capable of. When Leroy is not coaching or making hilarious sketch comedy, he's found cooking, hiking, and practicing yoga. Leroy is somebody I've known for about two years now, and since then, I've witnessed him evolve into someone who truly lives what he professes, and you'll notice that in this interview. He has a really intense way at getting at the truth and bringing it to the surface, and a lot of that is from practicing it in his own life. So in our conversation today, we talk about so many different things, but just to give you the highlights... We, he, we talk about putting people on pedestals and consequences of doing that. I know I do that. I know a lot of us do that. We talk about how fear will, might not ever go away and you got to learn how to dance with it. We also talk about the importance of being in immense amounts of pain and how it can be a catalyst for change in our lives. It's, on, it's an, honestly an honor to share this interview with you. His openness, bluntness, and curiosity around his own journey are what make this such a great conversation to listen to and something that uh, you'll find so many different lessons and takeaways that you could apply in your own life. So here we go. Let's give it up for Leroy Milton. All right. I am here with Leroy Milton. Leroy, thank you so much for 
being on the show. They can't see you waving. It's just going to oh, be audio. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. I'll wave back at you, though. <laughs> ah, that's nice. <laughs> How are you, man? I'm doing really, really well. Um, very nervous. going to be real with you. But I know that it'll go exactly the way it's going to go. Great, Pretty man. Well. So I'm really honored that you agreed to come on. You have a very deep, intense, and epic story. And your story is still unfolding, obviously, just as all of ours is. But um, I would love to get a little bit of a snapshot of what's your day-to-day like right now so we can get some perspective on what's the life of Leroy Milton. Because from the outside looking in, we see powerful, inspiring, motivating, clear, action-oriented, achievement-oriented, and it would be great to just give us a little perspective on on what your life is actually like behind the scenes, and uh, yeah, go ahead, share with us. So first of all, I forgot to mention, thank you for having me on. Um, super honored to be here because you are one of the people that actually saw me through this entire process that I'll be talking about. Okay, so everyone sees me as action-oriented. That's super interesting that you said that because I guess living my life um, inside out, it feels like the exact opposite. It feels Hmm. almost like I'm so stuck in fear sometimes and I'm so stuck in my own head that taking action is super hard. So you see me as action and I see me as like laying in bed all day, which is really interesting. Um, and so like my day to day is like anybody else's day to day, to be perfectly honest. I don't think of myself as this big shot coach or as someone that like knows more than you or more than anyone. I find myself stumbling and learning as I go through life just trying to figure it out like everybody else. So I have my own fears. I have work. I have like crippling anxiety sometimes. And also I'm powerful sometimes. And you know, and anxiety sometimes powerful sometimes. Yeah. I love it. It's I'm a regular human. And I think the goal, at least for me to share like my message to the world is to say like humans are all the exact same and, you might have idols and you might be able to like look up to people, but don't put them on pedestals because everyone has the exact same shit going on. Mm-hmm. Can I swear on here? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Everyone has the exact same shit going on. Yeah, I love this because, I mean, some people are really intensely arrogant and some people are extremely falsely humble or, or modest. And mm. I feel like you're you're very grounded in between. Like you recognize your power as well as you recognize your own limitations. So it's it's like you're you're very well balanced in terms of I'd say um, how you are in in public as well as in private. Because sometimes you write a post, and if people don't don't follow you on Facebook, that's where a lot of the action is mm-hmm. for for Leroy's work. And it's just it's shocking the level of honesty and rawness about the things that you talk about. So like, that's something that I find really, really refreshing in a world of like, Hey, look at me. I'm perfect. I'm amazing because of my Instagram filter. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That's, that's what I really want to try and do. I really want to like break those kinds of barriers 
for I guess I'm mostly doing men right now, but oh god. <laughs> um break those barriers for like humans because like things like porn addiction and things like, you know, like your junk not working or being vulnerable or sharing those fears your or junk not working. <laughs> yeah, like like these are real problems that I've had. Man. And I feel like it's not talked about. So I as dicey as it is and as much it puts me into fear to even share that side of me. It helps a lot of people. So I really try and like ground myself in that idea that me and you, Oliver, and like Tom and Jack down the street, they're all the exact same. Yeah, we all have struggles. We have challenges. Um, t- but tell me about a recent breakthrough that you had. What's something big or even small, but something that's had uh, a huge shift, like something that's moved you at your core? Uh, you talked about pedestals. I know you had a breakthrough around pedestals. That'll be, I think that might be a great one to share, but if you have something else. There are two really big ones that have impacted my life recently. The pedestal one is a really big one. It's the most recent, so I'll talk about that one. Growing up, I used to have a lot of idols. Like I'd idolize different movie stars or musicians. or It depends on where I was in life. I used to idolize a lot of people. And I kind of created the story in my head that unless I am that famous... I am that rich, I am that powerful, I'm nothing. Hmm. And it was all this unless. And that kind of unless mentality really made me feel not good enough in the eyes of anybody. And eventually all of this kind of trickled down, not from celebrities, not from musicians, but like to regular people around me. And so... So you put regular people around you, like friends or peers, put them up high on a pedestal as well. Yeah, like, like just way up there to the point where... I felt like, as a perfect example of my best friend, who, I mean, you had on your podcast, I felt like my best friend needed the stage, needed the spotlight, he needed to speak up, and I needed to, like, sit down and be quiet. Mm -hmm. Because I put him so far up there that I inherently, even though I didn't use the language and put it out there, I inherently said that I am not worthy, I shouldn't speak up, I can't speak up. And so what do you think it was that had you almost erase yourself from those types of scenarios? Was it this feeling like unless I'm great, like these people that I admire, then I'm nothing. Exactly. So it's like, unless I have that money, power, influence, um, even voice, something as simple as voice, unless I have that, I am nothing. That's interesting because... From the outside looking in, it's you have a voice. You express yourself genuinely, powerfully. You've you've done TED Talks. You've spoken on stage. You've guided workshops. You make a ton of videos. And then here you are uh, from one circumstance to the next where it's like here you are on stage having a voice. And then there's another scenario in maybe a small circle or small social environment. And you don't feel like you have a voice. Mm -hmm. And it is it is interesting and i wish i could like distill why those two things are different because they're so seemingly the same and i still don't really have the answer for that yeah but it's it's just the way it is like i can be powerful and i can be influential i can get on stage and do workshops and do all of these things but at the same time i had this huge side of me 
that like never valued my work and never valued my voice, never valued the amount of power and strength that I carry for myself and for other people. Yeah. And is, is there, was there any part of you that thought like, once I'm making videos and I'm blogging and I'm on stage, then this will go mm-hmm. away. Like this mm-hmm. will be done and I'll be over it and this will be fixed. Did you, did you have that? Yeah. Feeling? 100%. And it's like, it was, it was all like, as soon as I get this roadblock, as soon as I get my next client, as soon as I get recognized in public, or as soon as um, my coach or you or someone else acknowledges me or I get on this perfect podcast, it was all of these landmarks that I should have hit that I haven't yet. All of these kinds of rite of passages in my head that I created, these stories that like once I hit it, okay, I'll be at Oliver's level or I'd be at Steven's level or I'd be at Philip McKernan's level. But until then, I'm nothing. Until then, I'm zero. Until then, I have to keep working at it or keep doing more in order to get there. And and you brought that up how unless I'm that powerful or once I get to this point, then I will be powerful or feel powerful. But then what you're saying is like you get there to the point that you are striving for, that you're thinking is your solution, your saving grace. And it actually isn't. Mm-hmm. And it just and keeps being point. pushed forward. It's like, yeah, Oh, it's not the point. Ted talk. It's actually going to be something else. Mm-hmm. It's when mm-hmm. I make this much money or have this type of situation in my life or whatever. Mm-hmm. It always kind of like, like the, I, I never hit the finish line. The finish line always just gets pushed a little bit further away out of my reach. And what, like, what, what were the consequences of that? Like, what did that result in, in your life as you are, you know, at some point it starts knocking you right in the head and you're just like, wow, this isn't working. Like I keep thinking it's going to be the next thing. I hit that next thing and it's going to be, it's about the next thing after that. And it's never the solution at some point. Like you, you get, you got to be aware or awoken to the fact that this is just not working that is you just explained the great fallacy of my life which <laughs> is, you just explained the key to everything in my life that that next idea as much as it was in pedestals it appears in every single point in my life you know and it's like it's so hard to ground yourself and to realize, like, okay, this is a pattern. You know, there's something going on here. There is something that I'm stuck in. And it's that point of awareness, that moment where you realize, like, shit, this isn't serving me. Or this isn't working. What's going on? A perfect example of that was when I moved out, I had a great job. You know, I, made, I made the most money I've ever made in my life. And at a certain point, that great job started feeling like shit. And I started hitting this wall. And I was like, you know what? I need another job. So I got an even better job and I was making even more money. And I was like, wow, this is great. This is incredible. So it's a similar cycle. It's a similar cycle of this job will solve my problems. This relationship, this job, this landmark, this this client or whatever, this client, this amount of money. And so like, I think if you do enough times, you start to realize that there is a trend. And for me, realizing that I kept putting people on pedestals and feeling like crap over and over again just made me kind of sick of it and made me sick to my stomach. One day I realized I just can't do this to myself anymore. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't even like a, 
Like I need to put everybody else down so I can be up or I need to be higher than everybody else. I just realized that I couldn't live this way anymore. But that's not everybody. Not everybody will feel, will experience it the same way as you. And you're like, I can't afford this. This isn't working anymore. And I, this is not serving me. I got to move on. I got to break through this. A lot of people might get some of those signals and signs and stick it out. Or keep, mm-hmm. or keep doing the cycle. So what what do you think it was about you? Was there something in your environment? Was there a conversation, something that you learned from someone? Or was there like a specific moment that was just like, whoa, like this is not where I'm supposed to be? Mm-hmm. Everyone has a different process. And like mm-hmm. that's part of something that I hope all of the listeners get from me is that everyone has a different way of dealing with these things for me and i can only share my perspective it was just intense amounts of physical pain you would never think like back pain headaches like pain in your gut just really like disgusting pain in your gut and for me like that's how it showed up when there's something misaligned or where there's something that isn't really like fitting in with what I believe or how I want to live my life. I get this intense physical pain and like some people will get that and they'll ignore it. And that's the sad part. But for me, it's like, I can't live with this pain. So I used to wake up with headaches. I used to have a terrible, terrible gut pain. Anytime I was around somebody that I put a pedestal on and I would try and suppress it or I'd like go to the washroom and just stand there and just kind of ground myself in Mm -hmm. nothing. And when did it start lining up for you? So your your body's manifesting in a, in a certain way the pain, the existential pain, and it's mm-hmm. manifesting it into physical pain. Mm-hmm. So when did it line up for you where you're just like, whoa, um, this is because of the ch- my life choices. Like my body mm-hmm. is just, it's giving me signals, it's sending me messages. What was it that had you figure figure out that this is part of the puzzle here? Because of that same kind of, that trend that happens over and over again. My way of dealing with anything in my life so far has always been, if the pain is too intense, something is going on. Mm. And for me, that pain kept intensifying over and over again. And it showed up, but it showed up stronger. And it showed up more powerful. And it showed up in different places. And like that moment of awareness was like, I can't, I literally cannot live with this physical pain caused by something that I'm doing. Yeah, And it, it really comes down to self-awareness and it really comes down to just understanding yourself. And I wish we could all just be these self-awareness heroes. Just kind of like realize when Aware something's wrong. Aware and decide, yeah. Yeah, you know, like, realize something's wrong and then just go change it and be like, boom, now I'm a better human being. That would be super but, easy. Yeah, it would be super easy. But I feel like we're almost meant to have some sort of pain before we realize something. And so, and so just tune into it. How long was it was, did you feel like the pain was there? Did this happen to you? So the pain was there and a part of you had already decided like this needs to change. And then did you end up delaying the decision, like executing on the actual decision? Like, you know, I, I know how some people that I work with, they'll be like, yeah, this man is not for me. And they'll stay with them for a whole year before they finally execute on ending the relationship with that person. And they'll be like, oh, wow. It's like I totally made this decision a year ago. They, they're finally like aware of the fact that they had already decided. 
um, but mm. they but they put it off. Did that happen to you when it came to this? A hundred percent. And it's it's like I always tell all the clients that I work with, and even prospective clients, you may not want to change now, but these are the facts. This is what's going on for you. When you do change, when you do want to start to take action toward this, you'll realize that the pain of staying the same outweighs the pain of change because change is painful. You know, like in order to get through my pedestal problem, I had to have conversations with my best friend. I had to have conversations with mentors, with people that I put on pedestals, honest conversations and put myself out there. I had to do that. And that's painful because it's scary. How do they react? What goes on? How does it happen? Where do we go from here? And like, those are rational questions, but then you have the irrational layer of fear that gets laid on to every single question. Yeah. And like, those fears of, oh my God, if I say something, I'll die. My best friend will leave me. Mentors will think I'm crazy. I might be even lower. Like I'm in a good position right now. Why would I want to jeopardize all this and push my position even lower? What if I end up worse than this? Hmm. And so the pain of staying the same has to outweigh the pain of change because there's pain on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. Change is definitely a stressor. And sometimes people aren't really in tune to the pain of of staying the same. So what was there a what was the moment for you, the moment of of truth when it when it was like, okay, no, this is it now. I was oddly enough I was sitting in a coffee shop with you and Steven and we were planning that workshop that you invited us to to speak at. And I remember sitting there quietly and like listening to you and Steven talk back and forth about ideas about this workshop. And I just like that, that feel that that pain feeling, that physical pain in my gut started like happening, and I was okay. This is happening. And what then was happening? Started, like the pedestal. This pain thing? in my gut. Yeah, the, the pedestal and like allowing Stephen to just allowing my best friend to just occupy all the space, hmm. and allowing you to occupy all the space and being small. And this pain in my stomach started creeping in, and it slowly started intensifying and intensifying and intensifying, up until the point where like. I don't know if you remember this, but I got up and I excused myself and went to the washroom because I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it mm. anymore. And I remember standing in the washroom and just like looking at myself in the mirror and just feeling like I, I, I can't do this anymore. Like I, I literally cannot deal with this pain anymore. There was so much physical pain in my stomach and it started creeping down to my legs and it started creeping into my arms. My fingers were tingling and I was like, there's something seriously mm. wrong. Like there is something wrong with my body or with my mind, but something needs to change. Mm-hmm. And so just that pain just got so much worse to the point where I didn't take action right there, but I came home that night and I was like, I have to have a conversation with somebody, anybody, somebody, anybody, this needs to be addressed. I can't leave this inside my body anymore. So that, that's a huge thing. So you had the awareness, you had the, um, you were... <coughs> You had a realization of what was actually going on for you, and then you decided to take an action. What was the what was the action? The action was um, sitting down with my best friend, who I put like on the highest pedestal, regular people, right? Put him on the highest pedestal and have an honest conversation with him. Um, he is like we've been best friends forever. It seems it feels like, and we've seen each other through thick and thin. But as much as all of that matters, I still felt that 
Like, oh my God, what happens if he disagrees or he hates me for this or he challenges me back and he leaves? But the action was addressing it with the person that is the most prevalent in my life, which is my best friend, which is my roommate, my best friend, my business partner. He's literally my oldest and most treasured relationship. And how did that, how did that conversation go? Oh God, it went incredible. <laughs> it was the exact opposite of what you feared. It, the, it always is the exact opposite, Oliver. And that's the thing, right? The fear is there to keep you in this kind of safe, comfortable position that is oddly enough, very uncomfortable, but you trick yourself into saying, you know, like, this is it. This is my life. But that conversation went incredibly well. I got acknowledged. I got addressed. We got to sit down and like write out things and talk about all these things. And then after that conversation, a scene of events happened and my life started to transform. I took like heroes and mentors on this is the cycle was broken the cycle was addressed yeah but it was beginning it was beginning to be chipped away at it was like you're breaking it up because it wasn't you didn't allow it to continue anymore you actually took an action and had a conversation Mm -hmm. and so, so the cycle was addressed and it was being chipped away but then i stopped and that's the key here is like as humans, we, 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 if we do find a problem, we address it and we think, okay, great, we're perfect humans. Let's move forward to the next thing. Yeah. Right. And so I addressed it with him earlier in the year and I felt great. And I was like, great. Steven and I were like, we're not on a pedestal anymore. We're on a level playing field. I feel good. I started speaking up. I started doing well. And then I settled back in the normalcy. Like you, you found then, yourself back in the cycle again. I found myself back in the unaware mode and like autopilot and not really addressing it, but feeling better, like feeling better, like taking okay, a step, okay. feeling better. Now come end of the year and we're meeting mentors and we're meeting like heroes that have idolized in the past. And that same cycle came up and immediately that like, Oh, were you able to catch yourself? You. Were you able to catch yourself like sooner? Mm-hmm. So caught myself sooner, but that same kind of pain, it wasn't as intense, but it started creeping up. And as soon as I noticed that pain this time, I was like, I am not letting this become intense. I am not allowing this to grow into something where like, I have to ha- like, stand in front of the mirror and have this intense heart-to-heart with myself. Yeah. I think that's huge just because some of us will think that we make a decision and that's it. But what you're sharing is it's like it's a reminder of – you decide and then you decide and then you decide mm-hmm. and you commit and then you recommit and then you recommit. And it's not like as soon as you figured it out, you addressed it. That's it. I'm done with that problem. It'll never show up again. Like, no, it's, it's a cycle that has velocity in your life and you will end up facing it again. And here you are, you're like, Oh, there it is. Okay. I can't let that happen again because you're trying to reinforce a new pattern for yourself, a new direction for yourself. So what happened? Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I remember going to dinner with Philip McKernan, who was like one of your like mentors, with Stephen, with Philip and myself and two other people. And Philip invited Stephen to get onto his event, like, like come to his event to perform. And yeah. then that feeling creeped in. That feeling that was like, why couldn't it be me? What's wrong with me? What's going on? Why is it that he gets picked and I don't get picked? Why is it that I'm sitting here with egg on my face? 
I remember wow. again. So why like, not me? Why not me, right? And this is my best friend who I love and adore, and I just want the best for him. And here I'm thinking like me, me, me. And I remember again, I got up from that restaurant and I went to the washroom and I just stood in front of that mirror. Again, that same thing again. And I stood there for like 15, 20 minutes while everyone was back at the table like having a great conversation. And I had that same conversation with myself. So you were physically – so you were – did you find yourself like in the conversation and then just like slowly disappearing? Like slowly disappearing while you, while you are there and then mm-hmm. physically disappearing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, like completely tuning out, completely kind of getting tunnel vision, kind of being really stuck in my head, really overwhelmed. And then having to like get up and leave because that pain, that like that, that intense pain that came up before was starting to creep up. Yeah. And I was, I have to, like, I gotta, I gotta address this. I can't have this happen a second time. And, and then again, you- I had that conversation with myself. In that mirror, in a washroom, for the second time, but later. That's your place. When Leroy Leroy is in a breakdown, face Mm -hmm. to face, bathroom mirror, face to face, a mirror in general. And I love the idea of mirrors because they reflect back to you exactly who you are and what you're feeling. Hmm. Like you look at yourself in all of your turmoil, all of your physical, your mental anguish, and all you see is yourself. And like uh, Kamal Ravikant has a has a great book, Love Yourself, like it's your last day, I think it is. And where in the book he just talks a lot about just he hated himself and he was super depressed. And his practice was standing in front of the mirror an hour a day and just saying I love you over and over and over again. Until he started to feel better in all ways. And so, like, the mirror for me is, like, incredibly cathartic because it's that wasn't the first or the second time that it happened. That is, I've revisited a mirror in multiple occasions in my life. Yeah. When I was an alcoholic, when I was a drug addict, when I didn't want to be anything like my father, I ended up looking at a mirror and realizing I was my father. Jesus. So... Was there was there a conversation? I want to get back to what you just said, but was there a conversation again after this with Steven? There was more a conversation within myself because Steven was addressed and it wasn't a Steven problem. Mm. And I think that's the big thing. It wasn't it wasn't anybody's problem but mine. It was definitely a me problem. So it wasn't that other people were taking up space when you were there. Mm-hmm. What was it's it? that I was giving them space. You were giving them space or, or, I was or not allowing, allowing yourself to take space. Exactly, not allowing myself to take space or play small. Yeah. But it, but it wasn't it wasn't anybody else's problem. So when I addressed it with Stephen that first time, it got addressed and like he gave me space. Like he actively reduced his space. Mm. And that, and that's interesting. But it but like I projected it as a Steven problem or a best friend problem or a like mentor someone problem. Someone was doing it to you. <laughs> but no one ah. was doing it to me. I was doing it so to So the myself. first time that you you became aware, you felt it was like you felt victimized from the outside in. Mm. And this time I felt like I was sabotaging. You myself. were doing it yourself this time. Or were you mm. re- you or you finally realized that you were doing it yourself. Mm-hmm. So so the second time I had a conversation with myself and then I had the opportunity to address it with Philip. Is that like out loud? Like you're talking to yourself out loud or you're journaling? No, I'm talking meditating. to myself out loud. 
You're ta- those, talking to yourself in front of the mirror out loud. Those those mirror conversations, I was alone in the bathroom and I talked to myself. Yeah. I said, Leor, what the hell is going on? This is that that first time I just had to deal with a pain. The second time it was an actual conversation. Wow. And, and I think that's just, that's just I feel like that's just externalizing what's already happening in our head anyways. Hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. most of us already talk to ourselves in our head. And then mm. maybe the 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 most that comes out when we're talking for ourselves is when we stub our toe and we say "fuck," <laughs> or we do something, do we drop something, yeah. and we swear. Um, but yeah, so you just you just had you had that conversation with yourself, and then you said you had a conversation with Philip. What happened mm-hmm. there? I just addressed it. I went up to him and I was like, "Hey, like this is the fact. This is what happened that night at dinner. I put you on a pedestal, I put everyone on a pedestal. This is something that I'm working on." But I'm telling you right now, like meeting you was incredible, but I don't want to continue putting you on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. And like that conversation, he had, he addressed it, but it was more for me. And so it, it wasn't, wasn't something that he said to you that was the breakthrough. It was you. It was ta- me talking just to someone who you would look up to mm-hmm. with your but old, like with your old me, cycle. Yeah. As a regular person, like a regular person. Wow, man. And so what, how has that affected the way that you see yourself, see the world, see others? How has this realization, this acceptance changed things for you? It's, it's changed insofar as I don't have to worry about what I say and who I say it to. Mm. I know within myself that I will never be a hurtful person, intentionally hurtful, intentionally malicious. And so I never have to worry. And like, I never have to worry about how I present myself or what I say to you or anybody else. And that alone is such huge, like overbearing weight that I carried for so long. It was just this weight of how do I look? How am I going to show up? Oh God, I can't go alone. I need a safety net. I need to do this. I need to do that. And there's so many like obligatory needs that I had to like check off before I did anything. Wow. So that's, so that sounds liberating because you're allowing yourself to simply just be as you are and not trying to match whatever your environment is. Oh, I'm around these people. Okay. This is how I need to be, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of us when we're not, when we haven't fully grounded ourselves in, in who we are and, and what our essence is, we, you know, we might not feel like we have that rootedness and, and like, oh, I could just express myself the way I express myself mm. as opposed to, oh, I'm just going to continue to self-edit as I'm speaking mm. and limit my, my self-expression. This was, this was like my second huge breakthrough when it comes to like vulnerability, because when I discovered vulnerability, I started sharing my trauma, sharing my story. I still had that pedestal aspect and I still worried about what people would think, mm-hmm. worried about what people would say. And I sometimes had to filter myself. But then when I took people off pedestals and by all means, it's still an ongoing thing. Like it still yeah. happens. I don't want to misguide anybody. Like this is still a thing, but you get better and better at mm-hmm. checking it. You get better and better at just being and, like, and I think that's like, an important you. point. Yeah. That's an important <laughs> you, point because it's not necessarily here's a breakdown and that is just the breakdown. It's, <laughs> it's like, here's a series of breakdowns and then here's a series of breakthroughs <laughs> as you, as you are going through it. So some people think it's just this huge miraculous 
moment <laughs> but essentially it is like it's it's i feel like it's cumulative it adds up you do mm. it over and over again it's a mm. it's a practice until it becomes a habit mm. so that's kind of that's that's how mm-hmm. i'm hearing you say it yeah like for me it'll it'll never go away it'll just get quieter mm. it'll never ever go away and maybe maybe i'm looking at it the wrong way and maybe it will go away with enough time and attention but for me i'm just focusing it on getting it so quiet that it doesn't bother me anymore. Yeah. So quiet that I'm so far away from it that I can't even hear it. When you were going through this exploration, was there a deeper context behind this? Like, was there something deeper and older that had you disappear in these scenarios or self-erase or have yourself uh, experience, experience yourself as less than others like what was there a bigger context behind this there's always a bigger context all over there always is some shit in the background (laughs) that informs you um for me it was my father for me it was growing up in a very abusive destructive household where i had impossibly high standards put on me like what I, kind of, what I, kind of standards? I was put on a pedestal, like any sort of standard you can think of, like whether it was academic or personal or relationships or just like individual hobbies. Like, like I got you were I expected to excel or I was expected to over exceed, yeah. not even excel. I was expected to, to be the greatest and having these impossible high standards while simultaneously seeing the person putting these standards on me living such a low life mm-hmm. i mean like what am i doing or not doing in order to make this man happy and so for me my larger context was having this father that put such high standards on me that so high that i could never measure up you know i could never measure up and like for me that was an internal thought of well if i can't measure up i gotta try harder and if i can't try harder i have to hit this marker or hit that marker or continue hitting markers until i'm good enough but i've never been good enough so so if you're looking back now you you're you do you feel like with that impossible standard and no matter what mark you hit it's it's never enough that has that contributed to this cycle of being yeah like how do you connect the dot of it yeah how do you like having having that that internal dialogue the invisible script of i am not good enough unless shows up and showed up everywhere and so in all of my relationships it showed up you know like even though it didn't put women directly on pedestals it showed up in the sense that like, I had to lie. I had to pretend I was somebody else. I had to wear a mask in order for anybody to like me. To the point where I lied to everyone around me, including my best friend. Including the person I just said I had the most treasured relationship with. I lied to him for the majority of our relationship. And so that I'm not good enough if or I'm not good enough unless informs everything. And that we all have this centralized fear or story or something that goes on in our heads that addresses everything. And again, it's just checking it, understanding where it comes from, when it shows up, why it shows up and how you can start to overcome and check it. Yeah. Cause I'm not good enough will forever live inside of me. 
it'll forever be there. So but again, you... I just want to make it quieter. So I'm. So it seems to me like the no, I'm not good enough until and the desire to lie to people so he can appear a certain way. Does that come? Does that come from? like a need to be seen like and, like do you hard. see me like do people hear okay do people hear me mm-hmm. is that what that is I, I need to be heard and i need to feel good enough a, a great a great story a great heard personal story enough. for me yeah like a great personal story for me was i used to tell people that i was half indian and half jamaican just because I'm slightly dark, I used to be like, I'm half Indian, half Jamaican. And immediately, people were like, oh my god, I've You're never heard that of that much bit. more interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, immediately, <laughs> I become the most interesting person in the room, but for only three minutes. Because after so you three get a minutes, hit. people stop talking about it. A little tiny high. And that's what I kept chasing. And again, autopilot, wow. and I didn't realize this. But it was just, you get that high and you go, oh, this feels good. I feel good enough. And then it goes away and people stop talking about you being half Indian and half Jamaican. Because no one cares. Wow. Ultimately, no one cares about where you're from or what you do because everyone is so stuck in their own fear. Because we're all humans. We all have the same shit going on. Everyone's so worried about their own invisible script or their own story that informs all of their opinions and how they look yeah so you're doing a lot of things to to have yourself feel heard feel good enough um so obviously that's a huge need that you have what do you do now like what do you do nowadays to satisfy that need how do you have yourself be heard by yourself like how do you have yourself feel good enough like how do you work on that how, how does someone deal with it i've turned that story upside down and i've told myself instead of worrying about being not good enough i've just given myself the opportunity mm-hmm. that if i do feel not good enough to feel it instead of trying to reject it and trying to battle it almost because when you battle that invisible script that story you're fighting yourself you're looking uh-huh. yourself in the mirror and you're swearing at yourself. You're trying to defeat the person that you are. So you, so so you're saying you welcome the feeling now. Uh, Seth Welcoming or open, like embracing it, or like what is it? Because you're saying you're allowing yourself to feel it. So the way I hear that is like accepting it. It's allowing yourself mm-hmm. to experience it, as a, as opposed to. Oh, I feel not good enough. This is wrong. I'm going to try and avoid this feeling. I need to reject this feeling. It's wrong, wrong, wrong. It's bad, bad, bad. As opposed to that, you're just like, oh, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm experiencing. So it feels like an embrace. It feels like an acceptance. Mm -hmm. How would you describe it? Seth Godin says, dance with the fear. Mm -hmm. And and that's the best way to put it, is embrace it and allow it to just be there. Allow the I'm not good enough, that part that has informed you, to just be there. Because it's a part of you and it can't go anywhere. So instead, when it shows up, instead of rejecting it or trying to fight it or try and solve it or cure it, like there's yeah. some sort of disease that you have, right? Because we all think that we're inflicted by some sort of disease, like, oh, I'm wrong <laughs> if I shouldn't feel this way, I shouldn't do this way, or I should feel this way. Yeah. Instead of trying to cure that that disease that you think you have, embrace it, be with it, allow it. It's there for a reason. It's there to teach you something so if you want to really, learn. So that's really counterintuitive to what, 
the natural inclination would be is like, oh, this feels bad. I want less of this. This feels good. I want more of it. What you're, what you're proposing is it, if it doesn't feel good, em- embrace it, dance, mm-hmm. dance with it. That's so how, how is that? A f- how, how do you do that in a practical way? Like how, what is the, what is the step-by-step thing that allows you to fully feel it and experience it? And what have been the results from actually coming from that place of dancing with the fear for you? The the step-by-step is actually only one step. It's to share. Mm. Share it with somebody or even share it with yourself in the mirror, but to share it and make it real. That is the single most powerful thing that I've ever done, like with my with my story, mm-hmm. with myself, with like strategy-wise, if you want strategies, it's just share it. Put it out in the world, whether it's writing it physically down on a pen and, with a pen and paper, putting it on your laptop, talking to yourself in the mirror, talking to somebody that you know or love, mm-hmm. but putting it out there and just realizing that it's valid, it comes up for a reason, and it's there to teach you something. So uh, when you say share it, it's almost like just giving giving it its own expression, just like allowing it to express like, Hey, I'm having this genuine experience of, of myself, of my life, of my emotions. And this is the, this is my truth right now. I feel Mm -hmm. not good enough. And then Mm -hmm. you write about it, you talk about it, you share about it, uh, with people and, and what happens to it there? Does it, does it kind of lose steam? Does it, does the awareness give you more, more power or more clarity or ability to, to take action regardless of how you feel like what what happens for you when you give something life it stops being as irrational as it is when you so give like, something life it stops being as as irrational as, irrational as it is can you so, explain that so when you and it could be any story. So for me, it's I'm not good enough. For someone else, it could be I need to make more money or I'm going to die if I don't make money or my girlfriend might leave me. My boyfriend's going to hate me. All of these things live inside of your head. And over time, just like that pedestal idea, it causes physical pain yeah. because it just lives there and it kind of like spreads and leaches out to the rest of your body. Wow. But when you allow yourself to make it real, to give it life, to write it out, to talk to somebody, to voice it in some way, to give it life. You can look at it or you can listen to it and you can sort of be like, fuck, man, I'm, this is ridiculous. How how dare I think that? How dare I think that I am not good enough? Hmm. The universe has created this way where I get to live in this world feel all of the abundance that I feel like live in the best part of the world with like have income, have food, have a house, have this, have that, have great friends. How dare I think that I'm not good enough. How dare I think that if I don't make X amount of money or if I don't have this relationship or if this relationship ends, I'm going to die. How dare I think that? (laughs) So how has, how have these realizations translated into, your life and your your business and your relationships like how is it rippling out now it's honestly informing 
every single aspect of my life. It has created all of the abundance in my life. Because when you start shedding all of that weight that you're carrying, when you start like letting go of all the shadows and all of like the darkness that you're holding on to, and you just start to share that darkness or just like live despite of that darkness, you show up better. Your way of being yeah. changes. You change into a more abundant, more grateful, more honest person. For me, honesty and vulnerability has been hard for the majority of my life. Yeah. And when I embraced that and said, hey, Oliver, like I'm not feeling good enough right now. Or right now, I'm scared shitless about this podcast. If you put that out there right, and you share that, then you realize that everything is just going to go the way it's going to go. Yeah. And as you voice that, then people come down to this level and you can feel like you're human and you're normal again, you know, quote unquote normal. Cause like with all that fear stuck in your head, you never feel that way. You feel like people are higher or better, or you feel like you're shit or you can't do it. Cause it's so leeching in your body. Hmm. And so as you talk about it today, do any new pieces fall into place for you? Like, do you become aware of, of something new about the process and the path that you've been in? Anything as that I makes talk more about, sense? Yeah. Yeah. As, as I talk about it, I realize, like, I realize how far that I personally come. Yeah. But I also realize how much more there is to do, <laughs> you know, and, and like that'll just, forever just be scratching it. the surface, right? Just scratching the surface and that'll forever be it. Like I've come really freaking far and you everyone have. has, you have everyone that's listening to this has come really far. And that's the thing we forget about. We forget about the process that we've gone through already. We focus on so much on what's next. We forget about how far we've come, what we've done, what we've seen, what we've experienced, what kind of shit we've had to walk through to get to this point right here. And so, yeah, it reminds me that I have a lot more to go through and I'm excited. This used to scare me. This used to really scare me, but now I'm excited about it because I realize the more I understand this part of me, the more I unlock, yeah. the more abundant i feel the more grateful i feel the better my life gets my relationships my business everything gets better so damn good so i i feel i feel like i got a lot i got so many takeaways i got like a whole page of notes from this oh man and a lot of you know i i feel like what i got from this is if you're thinking about or always looking at what's next that's literally going to lead to nowhere because what's next is not going to solve the problem. Mm. Um, you know, give your, give your emotions a voice, like give it an expression. Like you say, speak, speak to yourself in front of the mirror, write it out in a journal, bring it to life, share it with somebody. There's so like, there's so much, uh, there's so much power in just allowing yourself to feel it as opposed to avoiding it. Um, when it comes to the pain, the pain, sh the pain shows up, it's giving you a signal, it's telling you something and it's like you, you might address it. You might finally come to terms with it and admit it to yourself and come out of denial, but it's a process. Like you start going through the motions again and then mm -hmm. the jo your job is to just catch yourself a little bit mm -hmm. quicker 
take action a little bit quicker. So be a little bit more mindful and that there's so much there. It's always just the beginning of, of something next. Like there's always more to, to your growth, to your experience, um, which I love just because it's, you know, the journey is ongoing and then you're Mm -hmm. never actually done as a human being. Oh, the Mm -hmm. other thing is also that, that, part of the the victimization was shifting from looking at as other people were doing it to me but in actuality i was doing it to myself Mm -hmm. that shift is huge because like that just it just goes to show like how much you matured in just a few just a few months Mm -hmm. to go from oh other people aren't doing this to me like this is me doing it to me oh i actually have the, the power to change this if it's me doing it to me Mm-hmm. so there's there's so many huge gems mm-hmm. in this thank you man i appreciate yeah, it i love it man i appreciate it as well um can i ask you some rapid fire questions of course cool what's your what's the favorite book you've gifted in the last favorite 12 months book of last 12 months the gifts of imperfection by Brene brown the gifts of imperfection by Brene brown it is the book that has changed my life and the person you see today Brene book brown all about is vulnerability amazing. Awesome. And what's your definition of success? Oh, that's a hard one. Being comfortable in the process that you are in right now, knowing that there's more ahead of you and you'll get there as long as you stay true to yourself. Can you say that again? Oh, man. Um, Being aware of where you are right now, Knowing that there is more ahead of you that you can hit or you can reach, but also realizing that as long as you stay aligned, you'll get there in time. Awesome. Changed a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> Why don't we listen listen back to it? Then like I can I can do yeah. the Leroy C. Milton quote. Um, how do you define a breakthrough? Oh, these are hard questions. These are good questions. How do I define a breakthrough? A breakthrough is when you're so tired of your current life that a change must happen. And that change always comes in form of something small, something seemingly insignificant, Mm. but it makes such a big impact. Because if you think of breakthroughs as these large, like I need to jump off a cliff in in order to (laughs) tackle my fear of heights, or I need to do something extravagant or fireworks, but it's always something so small and insignificant that makes the largest differences. Yeah, your story totally demonstrates that. Uh, mm-hmm. Why do you think breakdowns happen before breakthroughs? For that same reason. In, in order to change, you have to feel that pain. And when that yeah. pain becomes unbearable or even just very noticeable, that's when change really happens. Until then... Maybe small change won't happen or like little baby steps will take toward it. But when that pain intensifies to the point where you cannot handle it or live with yourself, whether that's like psychic pain or physical pain or mental pain, spiritual Mm, pain, whatever that looks like, then a breakthrough happens. That pain needs to be there. The pain is such a game changer. Just being aware of it, tuning into it, seeing it as a messenger. Um, Mm -hmm. My next question is what are, let's say, let's just leave it at one. What's one big myth 
that you have busted through. Like a myth about life, about business, about success, about relationships. Something huge that we think that this is how it is. And your experience just completely destroyed that myth. Mm -hmm. I have to be someone else in order to feel loved. Wow. Yeah, that's a big one. And I can explain that very briefly. Not... I think we wear a lot of masks, all of us, mm -hmm. and I have so many more masks to still shed, masks that I don't even know about. But for a long time, I had to wear this mask in order to feel loved, look loved, and just like feel happy with yeah. myself. And that myth of like, you know, where we put things on Facebook, where we put these flowery posts on Facebook, or like incredible like vacation shots or bikini shots or whatever it looks like, just in order to tell everyone else that we are happy. But when we're breaking down inside, oh, we have that intense pain inside, realize that this is part of your process and you are exactly where you need to be. Yeah. If you share it, you'll get real abundance and like happiness and joy. Hmm. Awesome, man. So tell us about what you are up to right now, what you're looking for, what kind of people you work with. So... I am a jack of some trades. I hesitate to say all trades. <laughs> um, I am a coach that primarily wants to work with people that are looking to get to the next level. My work is oftentimes very vulnerable, very real, very raw. I'll get you to share some deep, dark parts of you. But in that sharing, you get to understand yourself on a deeper level. Hmm. The second thing that I do is with my best friend, my business partner, my roommate, and the friend of the universe, who's also <laughs> an incredibly powerful coach, Stephen. Um, we do self-help comedy together. So we try and poke fun at all of the serious topics, yeah. all of the really gunky topics that everyone talks about, like motivation, habits. We get to make comedy skits and act and, <laughs> and just poke fun at all of these things. The cheese and the lameness. Yeah, the some cheese, of the lameness, and the very clear and apparent cookie addiction so, that we both have. So good. And where? Yeah. And and what could we look forward to this year from you from from your work? I I have no plan. Awesome. I have no plan. Completely every time, open. every time I try and make an idea list for things, every time I try and plan for things, it never works out the way it does, and it works as something better. And so this year I'm letting go of everything, not planning anything and just allowing myself to share my process as it happens. A little less controlled sounds like. <laughs> so tell us where we can find you. Where can we stalk you? Facebook is the best. Leroy C. Milton, I believe is the name that you can search up is a beautiful picture of my mug. Um, website, website, not so much. So this page, <laughs> there's, there's, so a serious, like, there's a serious lack of websites. So either personal Facebook or the two helpful guys page, two helpful guys, all one word, number two, the number two. Awesome. Is, I hope you link all of these things. Cause I'm terrible at explaining yeah. these things clearly. I will link it all. Listen, man, I would love to have you come on again and maybe we can just have like a open dialogue about whatever, about the coaching business, about, you know, uh, things that you're learning and experiencing or whatever, shoot the breeze. And, mm. uh, cause I, I know that the types of conversations that we have, um, they go deep, they get intense, they get hilarious and kind of wacky. 
and uh this is this is this is how I want the show to be to have people that I'm super uh, in love with and interested in and and praise and want to support and I, I love your story. There's so much more behind everything that you shared today, and it would be great to maybe even dive. Maybe we could even dive a little bit deeper into some some other areas that might be um, insightful for people. But yeah, it's such a great honor to have you on, man. Thank you so much for doing this. I would 100% come on in a heartbeat again. I want to actually take a little bit of time to acknowledge you and the work that you're doing right now. You're really, oh, aside from being a powerhouse of a coach, I love what you're doing with this podcast. You know, giving giving the little people a voice, giving people. Hey, you don't do that. It's a to... pedestal thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I said, but I mean, the audience didn't see. I did air quotes. Oh, oh okay, yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, giving giving little people quotations um, a voice because it's so important to realize that you can learn from literally anybody, even the person at the bus stop. And so, I want to acknowledge what you're doing here because, as much as I'm honored, like it's incredible that you're even allowing people to share their story, their breakthroughs, their breakdowns, and hopefully, someone can listen and learn. Thanks, man. Thank you, man. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate you. We'll do this again very, very soon. Thank you for your kind words. Like that is, that's what I'm trying to do with this, to, to, to show that there are powerful people in the world and they are just as human as you and I. And we are all, we are all going through this journey in our own different path, like you said. So thank you so much for being on, man. We'll do this again very soon. Looking forward to your next comedy skit. And everyone, be sure to look for Leroy C. Milton on Facebook. Thank you so much awesome. for listening. Thank you, man. Take care. Hey, everybody. It's Oliver. Before you take off, just wanted to invite you to my weekly newsletter called Oliver's Picks. This is my weekly recommendations for what I find educational, empowering, entertaining, and engaging. So if you're interested in a dose of goodness, inspiration, tools for growth, uh, different things like that, head on over to olivermanalise.com slash picks. As well, if you haven't already, I would really appreciate you heading on over to iTunes, giving us a five-star rating and writing a review for us. That would mean the world to me. That would support the show in helping us grow and getting the conversation out there. As well, if you're looking for the show notes for each episode and all episodes, you can find them at olivermanalise.com slash show. If there's any feedback or comments or questions that you have for me, I would love to hear from you at podcast at olivermanalise.com. And that is all. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk again soon.